0: <laughs> something that's really odd, and I can't quite get my head around it, but I think it's something to do with the language that we sometimes use. And um, it, it seems bizarre that sometimes we think that we have to come in to God's presence. It's like sometimes when we talk about it. Let's come into God's presence, and I just think that's a little bit bizarre. Um, and i explain why later. Like if we like singing holy songs, we come into God's presence, or when we're doing holy things, we come into God's presence. And that just seems a little bizarre because the way I understand it is God's always present because he's always in with us. So anyway, let's have a quick look at that first bit and the reading because there's a lot of like long churchy words which don't mean much anymore, I don't think. So first thing that I think we should always remember, I want to say again, God really, really wants to just live in a relationship with us, with his people that's what he wants. You could see this from um, Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. He made it, and it's all great. And he used to walk along, chat to them and stuff, and it was brilliant. Problem was, we sinned. Sin came along. We were a bit rubbish. We sinned. We got kicked out of the garden, and um, punishment had to happen, kicking out of the garden. But God didn't give up on us there. He could have done. He could have done quite easily, you know. He's got the right to, but he didn't. He all he wanted is to be in that relationship. So what he done, he gave Moses a load of like rules and stuff. So so Moses and the people at the time who lie around, like the Israelites and that, they could then live in relationship with God. So you've got Adam and Eve and a brilliant relationship. We messed that up. We got kicked out. God's like, Nah, I'm not going not gonna to forget about you. I'm not going to give up on you. Moses, I'm going to pick you out, and I'm going to want a relationship with you and your people. We picked Abraham, but he gave Moses like all the rules in that. And these are the rules that I want you to live by. Excellent. Okay, so what he done is he gave, along with the Ten Commandments, loads and loads of different instructions. As a book. Which one is it? This is embarrassing, isn't it? I should have worked this one. Which one? Leviticus. There we go. I should have, probably should have worked that one out beforehand. So yeah, Leviticus, if you've ever read it, it's so long. And whew, I'm glad we don't have to live like that anymore. That's all I'm saying. But so in that, he gave really, really strict instructions about how he wanted his house to be built. Because God, all he wants to do is have a relationship with us. So God told Moses, I, I want a house. So excellent. This house was called the tabernacle, so that's what we talked about before. Basically, it was originally a tent, and then a bit later on uh, got built into this temple. And that was like God's kind of like dwelling place on earth, okay? So like the symbolicness of it. In this tabernacle, his house, there's the inner part. And the very, very inner part, like lots of different rooms and stuff, but the very inner part was called... Like the most holiest of holies or the most holy place and in that most holy place there's this thing called the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was basically like the symbolic, if you like presence of God on earth, okay, so that's just cleared up all that tabernacle stuff at the beginning there, just in case you were wondering, so God's house in the most parts, it's mega mega holy and in that mega mega holy part there's the Ark of the Covenant which is even mega holier, okay There we go. So, in verse 11, yeah, referring back and everything. Okay, it says, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle uh, that is not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. Okay, so what we've got, you've got God's, like, house, yeah, on earth, but something a bit odd here that I should have mentioned. Once a year back in the old days, the high priest, so the very, very high priest, the most, like, holiest person, if you like, on earth, was allowed to go into the most holy of places, into, right in front of, like, God's presence. So, and that's, like, massive. Back in, like, when you're looking at David, when he was moving this Ark of the Covenant, yeah, if people who touched it wrong just died, okay, so you don't stumble in... God's presence, don't do that because that would be awful, you would die simple as, so the, holy, the most high priest, once a year was allowed to go in to the most holy places, in front of the Ark of the Covenant, to kind of like make a sacrifice, like, to like make atonement, if you like, for the, the sins of the people and all of that but that was after masses of preparation it says, um, was it sprink, sprinkling of, of like bull's blood and ashes of the heifer and all that sort of stuff so loads of preparation, so he could go in to make atonement for all of the sins. Okay, what we've got here, in verse 11, it says that Christ went for us as our high priest into what was a better tabernacle, which suggests, if you like, that it's not of this earth. So it wasn't the one that, like Moses made, and it wasn't the one that Solomon rebuilt. It was literally a better one, which surely must mean the actual presence of god so not not this like symbolic archetype thing the actual actual presence of god okay he went there to offer a sacrifice so he was like the high priest who went in like earthly speaking high priest go in and make the sacrifice he went into the actual presence of god to make a sacrifice for the sins of, of us lot and that sacrifice wasn't as back in the old days any sort of animal that sacrifice was himself it says at the end of verse 15 if I can find it now that he has died as a ransom to set them free as a ransom to set us free from our sin committed under the, the first covenant because This was the problem. Although Moses had all these great rules and had, like, God gave him a system of being in relationship with us, we still had this massive problem of sin that we just couldn't shake. And it says, right, that you've got the high priest, top dog, most holiest, like, person, allowed once a year into the presence of God. But it even says in our verse there. That after all of this preparation, he was still only outwardly clean. And that was the problem. We've still got so much sin, like just buried inside us. It wasn't the outside that was the problem, because according to that, you can make the outside clean, it was the inside. And this is the great thing, because Jesus, in his sacrifice of himself, like this once in a lifetime sacrifice you don't have to do it again because it's such a massive sacrifice for our sin sorted that problem out and that's amazing that's like it cleansed us from the inside and that's massive like it says at the end of Mark's um, gospel that when Jesus died the, the curtain of the temple was torn into two and um I never used to understand that as a child. I used to read that and curtain torn, so what. But what it was, it was the curtain separating the most holy of place where God dwelled to everything else. When Jesus died, that curtain was torn. So think about that. Symbolically, that's massive. That's like saying, oh, so God's dwelling over here, but we're not allowed close to him because we're too unholy, we're too full of sin, we're going to die if we go anywhere near him, but in Jesus coming and dying and making that sacrifice for us that curtain has been torn there's no more barrier between like God and us, it doesn't have to be a barrier anymore, God can now come and he can come and live inside us and that's amazing I can't I can't really get my head around that that's how mental this is because think about it you've got the God who we've been singing to, the God of heaven and of earth, the God who made everything, this all powerful, like all knowledgeable, he does everything there's nothing he can't do, lives inside us that's mental I don't I don't really understand but this is the great thing about being a Christian. You accept that. And you don't have to understand it for it to be true. God lives inside us. If you've given your life to Christ, God lives inside you. And the implications are massive. There's so many implications because of that. Like, I'm, I can't go into too many at the moment because there are absolutely loads. But it's just a couple that i thought about and I want to bring up tonight. Um, so... If you've given your life to Christ, you've put your trust in Jesus, so you believe that he's taken the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, so God can now live in a wicked relationship with us now, that means that the price has been paid. So many times, I think, we still, like, we're trying to hang on for some reason some stuff that we've done in our life just sometimes just seems so bad how can God possibly forgive that this is the amazing thing he has the price has been paid you don't have to hang on to any of this past sin it's gone it's amazing second thing which I think is amazing is God's accepted us God lives inside us so many times I think we're always trying to like be as holy as we can and don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with that But sometimes it just seems like we're just trying and we're trying and we're trying to be accepted by God. We don't have to be. God's accepted us. That's amazing. And the other thing that I just want to mention tonight, that I mentioned earlier before, is we can stop trying to be in the presence of God. Because we're in the presence of God. Because God lives inside us. And that's mental. That's... That 's great. Um, I think we should just, just 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 stand up for a second and let's just think about it let's just let's just bow our heads in awe and in honor that this massive fact that God lives inside us, which is mental. And it's also, I've just got this feeling that, I don't know, there's some of us here tonight who just, who needs to stop. Needs to stop trying to be in the presence of God. Stop trying to win his favour. He already loves us so much. And I've also got this feeling that some of us tonight, might just might just need to make that first step and just go god i'm i'm sorry you know i've done so many bad things and i've got so much sin but thank you for coming thank you for paying that ultimate price for me so i just think let's just let's say just bow our heads and let's just say sorry for whatever it is we have to say sorry to and let's just embrace his forgiveness